You Want It Darker by Ms. Chunks. Chapter 48 Grasping at Straws. Summary Aizawa has a lot of questions, only some of them are answered. I don't really feel like cooking. Kiki makes this announcement over the spread of misfits currently occupying her home like the tired mother of four she never signed up to be. And Aizawa can empathize with her too-many-children syndrome more than he can say. Let's just get some takeout. I'll go. Hitoshi leaps up before his mother can even put the full stop at the end of her sentence. There's an instinctive, absolutely not, on Aizawa's tongue that he bites onto and holds. Because although there's a lot of times he'd make that call for Hitoshi without hesitation, He's in the presence of Atoshi's ma, and she outranks him like hell. So instead of opening his big mouth, Aizawa just watches Kiki, who takes a moment of consideration that lasts exactly as long as a swig of beer. Not alone, you won't. Kiki decrees like a judge casting a sentence, though Hitoshi will be plenty pleased for company. No lone wolves here, socially speaking. Or, like it or not, this is the pack. I'll... Aizawa begins to offer his services, but he's not alone. I'll go. Yamaguchi tramples over Aizawa like the doormat he's been feeling an awful lot like recently. Though not even the soles of Yamaguchi's feet can be begrudged for long. Even the interruption beams with the pureness of her intention. It'd be good to get out of the house. Do a quick patrol, you know? You can just say you want to go with me, Yankumi. Hitoshi delivers with a completely straight face, which makes the line even more effective. N no! Yamaguchi's doing her speed blush in spectacular form, like a bird of paradise flourishing to attract a suitor. That's not it. I I should have had an update for in an update ready in case the chief calls, you know? As if to prove that she really does have a reason for wanting to accompany Hitoshi other than enjoying his company, which is okay. That's a relatable feeling where Hitoshi's concerned. Yamaguchi lurches into oversharing with nervy sincerity. This is my first solo assignment for the chief, and I really don't want to bungle it. Relax. This place is barely two minutes away. Hitoshi practically guffaws in that teenagery be-cool nag that's pointlessly endearing. We've been going there for years. Nothing's gonna happen. By the time he finishes, Hitoshi's gaze has shifted meaningfully to his mother. Right, Ma? And Aizawa's it's Aizawa's cue to resume watching Kiki, too. And she's by and far the most interesting sight in the room at the moment. She's standing with a hand on the kitchen counter, giving the peppy Yamaguchi a particular kind of dead-ass look that only a mother can muster. One of Hizashi's hand-picked tracks for the night blares in the background, breathing even more power into the presence of the formidable Miss Shinso. The, one of Hizashi's hand-picked tracks for the night blares in the background, breathing even more power into the presence of the formidable Mrs. Shinso than she already embodies on a day-to-day -day basis. It strikes Aizawa especially after his experience with another of the doc's ex exquisitely hand-picked women today, that while he knows Hitoshi as much as most adults can hope to fathom the mind of a teenage boy, 
He hardly knows Kiki at all. Not like he should. And there's ways to change that. Just make it quick. Kiki reinforces in a way that reads a lot more like a chaperone trying to sway kids away from too much hanky-panky on the side than worrying over their safety. So maybe things work out the way they do for a reason. Even when it's not always Aizawa's first choice to let Hitoshi out on the streets with only a rookie cop keeping an eye on him. Things are always different when Aizawa is acting in a network rather than as a lone actor. Or a two-person co-op at best. The isolation is easier in a lot of ways, but worse in just as many. Trust in others for alleviated pressure. A tricky bargain to cut just right. With the kind of ease that understates everything that it means, Hitoshi's gaze flits to Aizawa, and he asks, You cool? Like the kid knows exactly how clingy Aizawa would be if he's not playing it, as currently under question, cool. But Aizawa's cooler than a cucumber, or can act like it at least. Fine by me. He accedes with an, other, with an utter lack of respect for the importance of his say in the matter. Only a lunatic would disagree with Kiki about what her son is entitled to do. Not even Aizawa's that much of a masochist. All right. Hitoshi's already heading for the door, zipping up a fresh hoodie that's a navy blue rather than black. Must be running low on black ones. Smart Boy still flips the hood up before he starts pacing for the door, covering that distinctive plumage while Yamaguchi checks the standard police five-shot revolver before slipping it back into a dainty holster on her hip. Hopefully she won't have to use it, though their country's once great gun crime statistics have taken a beating since the rise of heroes and villains came in to destabilize the careful balance of law and order. Funnily enough, a world full of escalatingly powerful heroes and villains makes people much more inclined to see firearms as a leveler. Hitoshi stalls at the door with an impatient, Come on, Yankumi. Ah, good coming. Yamaguchi only trips over her words rather than falls in her footsteps, quick on her feet, if only after a quick glance at Kiki, followed by an equally authority-seeking look at Aizawa, just to be sure she's cleared on all points to nip out with Hitoshi to pick up dinner at a time like this. It goes without saying, because they definitely shouldn't say it, but Aizawa expects Hitoshi will use his quirk if they get into any fixes that need an easy get-out. Which is the great thing about Hitoshi's quirk, if he were legally allowed to use it. So either the kid won't be that reckless unless it's really necessary, or he'll do it without Yamaguchi noticing, like the first time. Although it works at Aizawa like a toothache. He's going to have to trust them. It's not that he doesn't trust, he'd just rather be there in case youthful vigor only goes so far, to pick up the slack where inexperience falls short, sometimes literally. Not helping this, Hitoshi's too lackadaisical, even overconfident, as he calls an easy, back in a bit, to the sound of the door opening. Aizawa feels like he's being tested. If Hitoshi can sense the anxious yearning that Aizawa is probably broadcasting like a telephone tower right now. But if Kiki thinks it's alright without much in the way of hesitation, Aizawa will try to choke down his protective instinct and take the opportunity for time alone with her, if only to figure out why Hitoshi's ma is confident enough to give her son independence at a time like this. Although, maybe that's just the answer, and Aizawa smacks of worry like a new car smell still getting used to fears Kiki has lived in for
for well over a decade. However, Aizawa was new to this and can't resist a small worry, calling after them. Keep an eye out for those homeless people Yamaguchi saw earlier. Aizawa doesn't see Hitoshi's expression, but he does hear the yawning teenage sarcasm of the kid's answer. Yes, Aizawa. He can't help it. Like a tap being turned on, Aizawa keeps going. And if anything happens, yes, Aizawa. Hitoshi cuts him off to repeat. You two will be the, f you two will be the first to know. It's a casual you two. Hitoshi strings together. Aizawa thinks he and Kiki must truly make a very weird double act. Because for all Aizawa's obvious fear, Kiki's the queen of cool. Make sure you get extra dipping sauce. Hitoshi leaves as much fonder. Hitoshi leaves on a much fonder chuckle. Yes, ma, he says with far more affection than his address to Aizawa. So there's obviously something, probably several things, that Aizawa's doing wrong. Hopefully Kiki's going to enlighten him. They file out and the front door clicks shut. There's a silence of barely seconds before Kiki fills it. I'm guessing you want a cigarette? The pack is already in her hand, hanging by her side after getting out of her purse a few minutes ago. Maybe she's calm on the surface, but a swan only looks graceful while its legs paddle like crazy underwater. I'm dying for one. Of course that's the phrasing that tumbles off Aizawa's lips. Of course it does. Aizawa's been loitering in the living area since he was ordered off the sofa, and paces across the open-plan living room to the kitchen area, where Kiki sets a cigarette of her own between her lips before holding the pack out for Aizawa. Aizawa's barely slipped one of the thin cigarettes from the pack, not even set in his mouth, when Kiki pulls away and strides past him, heading for the sliding glass doors that open onto the tiny balcony in the apartment. Kiki brings up a lighter and sparks the cigarette with sudden urgency, sucking the first puff with clenched lips and no hands as she busies herself with unlocking and pulling back the door. The back door finally cast open. It's after raising a hand and blowing the first exhale of her stress-relieving vice into the hot night air that Kiki tells Aizawa, You're going to scare Hitoshi acting so paranoid all the time. Aizawa doesn't expect it, but then he doesn't know what he was expecting. Aren't you scared? Of course I- um, Of course I'm fucking scared! Kiki spits like a cobra's venom. But I want to do better for my son than living in fear every day. The missing step, Aizawa realizes as he follows Kiki to the window, reminding himself yet again that this is that this is reminding himself yet again that this is that this isn't their first time at the rodeo, just Aizawa's. Is that what it was like for you two back then? Aizawa puts the questions into the best shape he can manage, namely with the finesse of a preschooler's model cutout, with the preschooler's model out of Play-Doh. He takes a few tentative steps after Kiki, the unlit cigarette clasped forgotten in her, in He takes a few tentative steps after Kiki, the unlit cigarette clasped forgotten in his hand. Before the massacre? When the doc was just out there, while Kiki and Hitoshi lived, well, here. Kiki offers the lighter to Aizawa when he's close enough, 
making a little room at the open sliding door that looks onto a quiet alleyway between condos. Hitoshi's mother is what must be Hitoshi's mother is in what must be a familiar spot, lean, leaning against a railing leading out from the door to enclose what's as much a large window box than a true doorway to anywhere. Kiki sighs over a second drag on her cigarette, while Aizawa gratefully lights his own, watching the shadows cast by the light behind him, further distorted by the uneven surface of where the light lands on. Plumes of smoke spool in the air like falling silk in silhouette, vanishing into the night past the electric light pouring out from behind Aizawa and Kiki. I'm not saying there's nothing to be afraid of, but if Hitoshi senses you're worried, he'll get even more scared than he already is. Kiki flicks the filter with a lavender-painted fingernail, and Ash jumps from the end of her cigarette into the gray alleyway below, stark in contrast to the bright lights and warmth of the home Kiki built for herself and her son. And you're really okay with letting him go out with... without a guardian? It's only a shade better than outright naming Kiki or Aizawa himself as the only acceptable escorts for Hitoshi outside of the house at a time like this, but the implication is there anyway. Kiki might not always like Aizawa, but if there's anything he'll do, it's keep Hitoshi safe or die trying. He thinks Kiki knows that too, smart enough to figure it out by now. Yamaguchi might be young, but I trust her to keep a lookout if there's anything Hitoshi misses. Kiki replies with a high-gloss coat of confidence Aizawa can't chip. That's important. Reassuring, even. It's actually her I'm more worried about. Aizawa feels his brow crease, folding in those lines he watches grow like a piece of origami folded and unfolded many times. Why? Masaru would never allow Hitoshi to come to any harm, she says, like a morbid statistic about suicide rates like the sharp rise in deaths of corkless children no one ever talks about. Not physically, at least. Dr. Shinso's not the only one out there, Aizawa points out. You saw the letter from... If she's fucking my husband, the girl wouldn't dare. Kiki takes another puff and knocks off more ash from her cigarette. No matter how crazy the woman eventually got... They never laid a hand on Hitoshi. There's a dark air of intimidation in Kiki's speech, by slow cigarette smoke. Not like she's scared, but that they're, that they're the ones who should be scared of her. A quick sideways glance connects Kiki and Aizawa in a hard stare, and it's not quite the same as the practiced mentalist synergy Aizawa specifically nurtured with Hitoshi, but it's similar enough to run a chill up Aizawa's spine. We already told you about the one who abducted him, right? Aizawa remembers, but it doesn't mean he necessarily believes Hitoshi is as safe as Kiki wants them all to believe. You realize what Shioko is capable of. And I know what my husband is capable of too, Kiki replies sharply. He wants us very much alive, and so help anyone who tries to change that. She takes a pensive drag on her smoke drifting across her doll-like features, fair lashes lowered as she looks down across the quiet back alley evening. Then, with a glassy flick of the front, doll eyes deliver a chilling. That's why I'm more worried about Yamaguchi.
the final result of code-breaking calculation that has been running in Aizawa's head since he first saw the footage of Dr. Shinso and Shioko in that hotel bed falls into place. How much Shioko's wanted the doc compared to how much the doc didn't want her. No wonder Kiki called this a disaster waiting to happen. It's not what they'd do to Hitoshi out there. It's what the girl, police officer or not, would get hit with as a result. That's your expectation? Aizawa tests gently. An attempt to capture both of you? And sending Hitoshi out splits them, makes it more complicated. Aizawa can't be sure it's what Kiki's thinking, but he could believe it if she was. A silly bitch might try to take a run at me alone, but she'll soon find out how well that works. There's no doubt about it. Kiki can be utterly terrifying in her own right. No wonder Dr. Shinso loves her, even from behind bars. But my husband would never let anyone hurt Hitoshi. He's far too valuable. Why? Aizawa thinks he knows the answer, but he's not capitalizing on time alone with Kiki to show off how he has all the answers already. He wants to know what she thinks. Hitoshi is Masaru's only child, not for lack of trying. Kiki confirms, like Aizawa has already been told, but even the alignment between what Kiki and her son say reinforces Aizawa's understanding of the tight bond between them, how they've been the only thing each other has, has had for a long time. Of course they've got their story straight. Well, not with Shioko. Aizawa can't resist slipping in before he takes a thoughtful puff. Kiki hesitates over the last quarter of her own cigarette, humanizing herself with a question of her own. What do you mean? Ah, the doc's been... If Aizawa had kept his aforementioned big mouth shut, he wouldn't have to say this, but it's as good as said now. Using contraception with her. Aizawa bears the fact up as distastefully as it went down the first time and Kiki pulls an appalled face over a harsh drag. I don't want to imagine how you know that, but then I almost feel sorry for her. Kiki turns to face out and rests her hand on the balcony railing, clenching the smoking end of her cigarette between two fingers. Why? Aizawa repeats. Just as before, Aizawa knows what Hitoshi thinks it all means, but, but Kiki is in a very different position and Aizawa needs all the insight he can get. If he isn't trying to knock her up, the girl must fall below Masaru's famously high standards. Kiki takes the last harsh pull on her cigarette and stubs it out against the railing, tossing the end into an old pot plant in the corner of the balcony, filled with enough cigarette ends to sprout a tobacco plant. Which means he's desperate. They both are. Aizawa takes his own worried drag on his bummed cigarette, the nicotine rush soothing on frayed nerves, while the radio fades out of Hisashi's latest high-energy party anthem. Every day I'm shuffling. Put your hands up! That was Party Rock Anthem featuring LMAO. A one-hit wonder that goes, that ages like, good like a good bottle of whiskey. These guys sure know how to party. How are we doing, listeners? Ready to rock with me? A deeply buried instinct compels Aizawa to glance over at the radio, 
like by some twist of quantum physics, it'll be Hisashi sitting on top of the fridge chatting away at them. No such luck, but Hisawa can dream. Except Kiki is too sharp, and standing far too close to miss such an obvious tell, following Aizawa's hopeless gaze like a falcon after a sparrow. Lifting an eyebrow, she says, Isn't Mike a teacher at UA like you're supposed to be? Like she knows it. Like she knows he is, but maybe doesn't want to come off too keen. Aizawa could tell her the whole truth, but would she believe him? Most people don't, unless they see the proof. So all he offers is a, we're familiar. And it's true, if not the entire truth. Next up are the boys that have taken over the world. I met this crew at a party last year, and they really know how to have a good time. Five out of seven members lasted through the night with me, earning themselves the present Mike party seal of approval. Which two passed out in my tub together? You guess! Tweet or text your guesses to me at Put Your Hands Up Radio. And in the meantime, here's their monster hit. It's BTS with Idol! With a fleeting look of struggle across her elegant features, Kiki asks with casual ease, Aizawa doesn't quite buy. Is he really like that in real life? Aizawa loses his internal battle and can't resist a grin, pausing to take the last salvageable drag on his cigarette breathing out a fog of smoke as he returns Kiki's too-cool-to-show-it gaze. Aizawa doesn't know their names, but he remembers the morning after that particular piece of carnage. Coming home late from work and wanting to wash off some blood, only to find a couple of Korean boys asleep in the bath. So it's with a returning gaze of deadpan cynicism that Aizawa delivers a cracked, desert-dry... worse. The answer clearly pleases Kiki. So much so, she walks back over to the radio and turns the music up. Aizawa stubs out his cigarette and drops it in the bucket, closing the sliding glass door to keep the humid night air at bay. Hitoshi and Yamaguchi better hope they don't get caught outside when the storm breaks, although far worse things could happen. Aizawa's busy trying not to think about all them at once. So he goes for distraction. Do you mind if I ask you a couple of things about your relationship with Dr. Shinso? There's a question, several in fact, that have been burning in Aizawa's mind, and hell if there's a way to bring it up in polite conversation. Kiki is suspicious, but doesn't totally shut Aizawa down. Yet. Like what? Was your marriage ever happy? If Aizawa had walked across the room and slapped Kiki in the face, she wouldn't have looked as shocked as she does now. Of course, Kiki doesn't need to cross the room to give Aizawa a good slap back, and he's acutely aware that it's a possibility after posing a question like that. Silence stretches like elastic, tight enough to snap, waiting for an answer. Sometimes, at the beginning... Kiki finally answers, with a long shadow falling over her face. Why are you asking? I'm just trying to understand all the factors. Perhaps Aizawa comes off invasive, even creepy, thirsting after knowledge of the doc's softer side like this. What trace of what tri what trace of it might have ever existed? But even monsters like Dr. Shinso are made rather than born into their bloody destiny. 
as alibis nurture over nature any day of the week, which means knowing the full story. If he says he still loves you, I want to understand exactly how delusional that is. Kiki gives a stifled snicker, and Aizawa hopes he's curried her favor by marking out the doc's lunacy in degrees of never gonna happen. But there's still a difference between the doc believing that once happy times can be returned to, however distant and unrealistic, to a monster whose love for his family was always about their suffering. Especially if Kiki's so damn sure the doc would never want to hurt them. And meeting him in prison, Aizawa's not so fucking sure so he's just trying to figure it all out. It's not long before Kiki's brief mirth fades into a sigh. I was young and stupid back when we first met. One of his students, Aizawa supplies, filling in the gap he's taken as red, but could still be wrong, at a push. Yes. Kiki opens the fridge and takes out another beer. Aizawa shakes his head when she offers one to him. Doesn't want to be too slow in his reactions. Not at a time like this. I was already familiar with the esteemed professor's work. Actually disagreed with most of it. I only went into the class to challenge him on it. Aizawa would laugh if he had any humor going spare in such extravagant quantities. He settles for a particularly feeble smile. How'd he take it? This is no Dr. Shinso as he is now, but one of at least 16, probably more years ago. Aizawa can't help but wonder what kind of man he was back then, or at least appeared to be on his smooth, polished veneer of the famous Professor of Mentalism, confronted by a fiery young Kiki on his home turf, telling him he's wrong. We had a huge argument in front of the whole class. Then he used his quirk to throw me out of the lecture theater. Kiki pauses a moment while Aizawa considers how many people she's told this story to. Not many, he suspects. I came back the ne I came back to class the next week, and we argued again, but he didn't throw me out that time. The third time he held me after class, then asked me out to dinner with him. Another pause, this time while Kiki snaps the tab on a fresh beer and takes a swig. Said I was fascinating. The doc's right about one thing. Kiki is fascinating. So much poison power, combined with strength of will that even Aizawa yields to. Aizawa thinks carefully about what to say next, the points of clarity he needs to narrow down and define. Not just what's interesting, but what feeds his understanding of the complex, twisted-beyond-belief family dynamics driving this case towards the cliff like lemmings, so arguments were a natural part of your relationship, even early on. Aizawa finally suggests, and Kiki gives a bitter laugh. I'll say. Crossing the kitchen, Kiki hops up on the side of the counter that reaches from the wall into the middle of the room, cutting off the living dining area from the U-shaped kitchen. She sits with her knees apart in a way that could be called manspreading if done by anyone else. And something about the way she slugs beer in contrast with the soft beige of her suit, a couple of shirt buttons undone under the jacket, lays her out as precisely as a painting by a master artist. Along with the fluffy pink kitten heel slippers, it's easy to see why anyone, even Dr. Shinso himself, would be able to fall besottedly in love with her. 
Aizawa isn't attracted to Kiki, so it's not like that. But even he can feel the fall, simply marveling at the incredible person that she is. Just like her son, an apple not falling far from the tree. One thing is for sure, the Shinso effect definitely isn't the only place Satoshi gets his natural magnetism from. Or maybe it's just mentalists in general that produce this siren call aura. Awaya always jumps Awaya jumps irrepressibly to mind. And all the Shinsos have and all the Shinsos just have more of that intoxicating energy than they know what to do with. Aizawa is just a weird mortal on the ground, walking among gods. So what changed? Aizawa dares to probe a little further still loitering by the window, where he's got a good eye on the front door. Like I said, I was young and stupid. Thought it made me special. Thought the fighting was all part of the romance. Kiki takes another slug of her beer. But I got older and wiser, for all Masaru tried to stop me. From getting wise? As Awa guesses with narrowing eyes not expecting even the doc to think he can turn back the wheel of time. Kiki delivers it without difficulty, but somehow that makes it more horrifying. He persuaded me to drop out of college when I got pregnant, said I didn't need university education when I had him. As Awa's blood comes from a simmer to a boil, but there's one more question he wanted to ask. He looks at Kiki to pose it, an apology in his expression already. Did you love him? She takes a moment, but that Aizawa isn't writing, that Aizawa isn't writhing in mental agony on the ground right now must mean he hasn't crossed the line so badly just yet. When I still thought he was capable of love, yes. It's a sad thing to hear, but there's little trace of it in Kiki's tone. So, up until Hitoshi's quirk developed, that's when things took a turn for the worse. Aizawa really... Aizawa isn't really asking, because it isn't really a question. He's just putting it out there and waiting for Kiki to prove him wrong. Masaru was always... smothering around Hitoshi as a baby, but he still couldn't be sure that his quirk had been passed on. Kiki can't hate Aizawa too much if she's sharing these crucial pieces of the puzzle of Hitoshi's past with him. When it did, he could hardly control himself. Hitoshi's quirk is stronger, too, Aizawa observes, inherited from the both of you. Yes, it was what Masaru thought he wanted, why he married me when I got pregnant. Kiki reveals like lifting a piece of clothing to show a scar, but these scars aren't physical. Aizawa's got enough of those to share. Thought he wanted? We know, what, we know that quirks are getting stronger with every generation, and in his head, I believe Masaru wanted Hitoshi to surpass the limitations that frustrated him so much. But when Hitoshi could do it easily, Kiki cuts off, the blank for Aizawa to fill in. He was beaten. Aizawa guesses in the direction his antenna for the dock's warped mind tells him to go. The concoction of a brilliant mind poisoned by the perpetual fragility of the male ego, which is a vile mixture for anyone to stomach. Masaru couldn't handle it, Kiki confirms direly. 
To compensate, he became even more controlling. Like if he had, like if he had to compete, like if he had complete dominance over Hitoshi, the power of Hitoshi's quirk was as good as his. Aizawa wishes he hadn't seen it before, but he has. Too many times to count. It only takes one parent-teacher meeting to tell the parents who are proud of their children's achievements from those who want the credit to assuage their own howling egos. The ones to whom a child is just another channel for securing their own glory and legacy, continuing exactly the way their unhealthy pride wants to seek that twisted immortality. The curse of being number one still going strong. I don't imagine Hitoshi took to that well, Aizawa suggests, over-finishing a sip of his beer, feeling a little more relaxed, if only by increments. Exactly. Kiki's slippers hang from her toes. Things only got worse from there. This isn't a question directly about the case, but Aizawa asks it anyway, because he's gotta know. What was the last straw that made you leave? We... we fought so bitterly over whether Hitoshi was ready to be a part of Masaru's research. Kiki gives a sighing breath between jaunts of speech, like stepping stones across a melancholy river. Masaru realized he had to show some kind of restraint to begin with, I think. But he still wouldn't let me near the study when they were in there together. Kiki bounces her heels against the counter, gaze turned down. This is nothing she's proud of. It wasn't obvious at first, so it took me a while to realize. Maybe a month. Not more than two, but... Aizawa doesn't say anything. Doesn't push Kiki over the line. She's, in pu she's been pushed enough, surely. It doesn't take long for Kiki to lift her misty lavender eyes to Aizawa's solid brown-black gaze. Hitoshi was scared of him. It's left a minute to sink in. Then Aizawa asks, What was Hitoshi like with Dr. Shinso before then? Difficult, Kiki answers precisely. As soon as Hitoshi was old enough to exert any kind of will, whatever his father wanted him to do, Hitoshi wanted the opposite. Can't imagine the doc liked that very much. Aizawa tries to soothe, tries to keep the line of wry cynicism that keeps the mood afloat, like trying... Hazawa tries to keep a, a line of wry cynicism that keeps the mood afloat, like tying a party balloon to a brick. Won't ever lift the damn thing off the ground, but it looks a little nicer, at least. Exactly. They fought as badly as... Masaru and I did, I suppose. Kiki looks down again, and Aizawa remembers the words Kiki used to describe herself back then. Young and stupid. At least she sees the pattern now. Unlike all those parents, as I was met plenty of those too, who scream and yell at each other and then wonder how their child learns to do the same. Before the research started, Hitoshi had no problem resisting his father. But once it started, the fight stopped almost immediately. It took me a while to realize it was for all the wrong reasons. Aizawa's teeth are clenched so tight together at the back of his mouth, he could crack his whole jaw. Because Hitoshi was frightened of him. And who wouldn't be? 
I still don't really know exactly what Masaru did to him. Kiki reaches for her hair and picks strays from the hair tie, soon getting fed up and taking it down entirely. Unbound, her hair sits just past her shoulders, that fair lilac that's more silver than purple in the light. Hitoshi was still so young. It was years before he had the verbal skills to even tell me. And by then, I think he'd pushed it away. It's fair enough. Even if Hitoshi remembers, could tell someone in every grisly piece of detail. What for? Some things are better left buried, when there is nothing to gain from robbing that grave. It's hard for Aizawa to stay where he is, feeling a piece of him howl like a dog at the moon with the need to go find Hitoshi, wherever he is, and not do anything in particular, but just have him close and safe. How Kiki keeps it together on a daily basis is a feat of strength Aizawa has no choice but to bow down to. It was after that fucking dinner with Nezu, of all things. Kiki continues unappetizingly. Hitoshi was well-behaved all night, and Masaru was so pleased, showing off his perfect, obedient family. This isn't easy for Kiki to tell, by any means, so Aizawa appreciates the privilege to know any of it. Masaru did some uncharacteristically affectionate thing afterwards, like pat Hitoshi on the head, I think, and I saw him... She picks her words carefully, knowing they're important. It wasn't a flinch, but the confusion and fear in Hitoshi's eyes, I just knew that something was wrong, really wrong, when a child is full of terror from a display of supposed parental love. Aizawa asks the question almost no one remembers to ask, but it's one of the most important, because nothing is ever as easy as a single point of realization. How long before you were able to leave him? Kiki looks Aizawa dead in the eyes, not breaking the stare as she takes another drink, then slowly lowers the can from her lips. Six months. It's a good thing Aizawa is opposed to killing, or he'd choke the life out of Dr. Shinso with his own two hands. <laughs>